the first song you sung, okay? Ah, Just so you know. Thank you, KB. Thank, thank you. I, I'm not saying I You're didn't appreciate that. it, but I'm just saying, okay, what, turn up, what's the drink? What we drinking? <laughs> we toasted champagne when we first day for your birthday. Cheers. You know, hey, God done blessed us and he allowed us to see another year. Amen. Amen. Happy birthday, KB and Shug. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. We, we are accepting all cash app donations. <laughs> yep. Because isn't that what the kids do these days? They put up yes. their cash app for their birthday. Yes. That shit's Don't so stop. tacky. But. six. I, hey, I'm going to take whatever you give me. Brown sugar six. No, right. no. We should give the Femme Noir one so they can just sit it and we can just split it. Okay, that's fine. What's the Femme Noir one? Y'all send money. Y'all go find Femme Noir. Oh, there you go. So, guess we finna be tacky as shit. So. (laughs) That y'all send enough for both of them because they got to split it. Don't do it. $2. $2 a person to dollar sign Femme Noir files. We appreciate you. Appreciate you. In advance. Yep. I can't. So, what's going on this week? Shit, our birthday. No, no, what I'm excited about, I'll tell you what I'm excited yeah, about. What are you excited about, KB, besides your birthday? My birthday, um, jetting to San Francisco to have a great Woo-hoo. time. Plan to be high the entire time I'm there. Like really? the, you, the entire time. No, 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 no. They got dispensaries there. Oh, excuse me. You super, I forgot who I'm talking to. You super bougie. Go ahead. They have dispensaries in D.C., ain't it? They do, but it's okay. Ain't is a word. She also wants to go drink wine, too. I'm drinking wine. She wants wine. to go drink wine. See? Because yes. she's bougie. <laughs> I'm not bougie. I just like the finer things in life. So anyway, I want to be high and I want to have great wine. I'm excited about that. And yeah, just like I said, another year. New season. Shug, what you excited about? I'm excited that I do not have to go back to work until Tuesday. Praise God. Me too. Me too. Yes, I need I need that break. They getting on my nerves. Uh, Grateful to have a job, but yeah, like ooh, Jesus, please help me to not cuss these people out. I know that's right. And I told them I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Thank you. (laughs) Straight from the airport. No, straight from the airport though. Yo, I'm literally getting off the plane and going right to work. 
Yeah. No, ma'am. Yeah. You a good one. I'd be like, I'd take that day off, too. I, I know. I should. on Wednesday. Well, we'll see what happens. It depends. I got some time, so we we might we might. I'll, yeah. You gonna see them on Wednesday? I'm a, I'm gonna claim it for you. It's okay. Yeah, I might I might go ahead and do that. But anyway, yeah. what you sh- what you excited about, L? Because you in the house with all the Libras. I think you should be excited about that. It is Libra season. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm excited about. <laughs> Y'all's birthday and whatnot. But, um, <laughs> you don't sound excited. She said whatnot. <laughs> right, and whatnot. Don't you ever oh, disrespect us like that again, okay? Oh. First of all, I just sang to y'all, like the full version of Stevie Wonder. And we allowed you to sing to us. I did not stop you, because first of all, I was surprised, and then second of all, I thought it was sweet. But go ahead. Oh, yay. Shade. I was that wasn't sweet. Yeah, slightly right. shady. <laughs> right, thank you. Yeah, yeah, just a birthday. chill. It's a uh, chill. In okay. any event, what am I excited about? Shit, I don't know, dog. I don't really, actually, you know what I'm excited about? I had an epiphany today that the last dude I was talking to is cut off and he don't even know it. Yeah. Because I realized, <laughs> I know, Sugar's happy. Sugar's happy. <laughs> Praise break. Praise up. Really? Woo! Really? I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> but it's funny because I just realized the things that he says that he hates that I do and he has a problem when I do it. This nigga does the same shit. That's it's all like of them, child. Light bulb, but it's like a light bulb for me went off. And my therapist basically told me that I need to practice boundaries with people. So motherfuckers, this is our boundary. Same. Just block them. You ain't tell them you cut them off. Just block them. Just block them. Just block them. We have to pray about that. Just block them. (laughs) You know how I do. When I be, nope. When I be done with mofos, block. Let them say something. And let him not get a response. (laughs) Okay, Shug. But I like to know when people reach out to me, though. Nope. Block. Oh, okay. You don't even well. need to see it. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm proud of you. Good job. Thank you. Thank you, Shug. It's all for your birthday. Oh gosh. So another another people that's getting about to get cut. Since we talking about blocking people. Um it it looks like your president, Agent Orange. Who's saying Obama the second? No, I'm sorry, Agent Orange. It looks like he might actually get this axe. I mean, he's not participating in the impeachment process. And he's talked about this might be a civil war that breaks out as a result. A civil war? This cat said a civil war. Like, he is on another tip. See, people thought it was a game to put him in an office. And, oh, he's not like the regular politician. He's not following no rules, no guidelines. He's been making these comments about you know, being in there longer than two terms. They counted it up and said he's mentioned this 13 times. So he out here wild. And I just wanted to bring that up, you know, in other oh. crazy white people news. Go ahead. I can't. What so else can is happening? Can we also talk about somebody else who should have gotten cut off? Oh. Oh, yeah. So this Pennsylvania man oh, was him. charged yeah. with sexually assaulting a bridesmaid in his wedding Two days before the wedding. Well, she still married him, so I mean, if she like it, I love it. Well, that was the thing that surprised me the most is the fact that he actually, like, the lady still married him the next day. That's how desperate some women are. Some women are just so desperate to say that they're married that they're willing to put up with anything. 
But sexually assaulting your bridesmaid. She was willing. She's willing to overlook that. He got caught. And here's in on him. But here's the thing. So I will be looking at her with the side eye because you know all my bridesmaids were either really good friends or family. So exactly. You you choosing this man over me? Well, that's what I was going to say. Well, why why do men always got to be like? I know I'm about to play devil's advocate, right? But. Why is he the one sexually assaulted her when they were both drunk? I'm confused. Because he, he was the aggressor. Her. He was the aggressor and she was basically passed out. And he drug her into the bathroom and raped her. Yeah, that's trifling. Right. I don't want nothing from nobody that can't consent. Like Thank if, you. if I'm taking it from you, it's no fun for me. Like I no. need you to be I need you to be coherent. aware of what's going on. Yes, exactly. You need to be coherent. Yeah. Mm-mm. Well, I, oh, I kind of want to take, take some dick. I kind of want to take some dick once, but, you know. From an unconscious man? Not from me. unconscious. I want you to be alive and awake, but I just want to take it. Well, like, come this, woman, this woman was unconscious. That's why it's sexual assault. Yeah. Can I, can I just say I like, I, should, I shouldn't put this out in the universe, but I kind of like to be. Oh my God. Okay, let me. <laughs> This is about to be I, I kind of like to have had a couple of drinks. Not be passed out. Like, not passed out. But have a couple of drinks before I have sex because it relaxes me because I have, like, a thousand things in my head. And I'm very kind of, like, regimented if I'm not drinking. So, I'm really, like, left, right, left, in, out, in. No, like, wipe. Oh, my gosh. I'm sweating. Let's take a break. Let's go shower. And then we'll get back to it. That kind of regimented. <laughs> What my friends say, you like clean sex. I'm like, shut the fuck up. So anyway, clean so, sex. That's what. what? You know, is that a thing? Like showers per day. Oh, I, okay. hey, hey, coochie be on point, though. Boy, <laughs> have mercy. But anyway, I'm so sorry. But anyway. I, yeah, so I, you know, but not to the pass out point. I mean, again, I can't believe the girl still married him. Like, I don't know what he could have said to her to, like, make her believe that. It was okay. nothing that needed to be said. She had already made up in her mind, like, oh, well, we still getting married. No, but he told, no, he told them that the girl was the aggressor. That's what he told them. Like, when, because two people walked in on them. And then how police caught him was he basically texted the woman the day of the wedding asking her to take the morning after pill to prevent pregnancy and to be as happy as possible for the bride. Nah. <laughs> yes. Well, did she we, show up to the I, wedding? I, had to, I, had to call, I wouldn't have had to call that off. I wouldn't have showed up either. I wouldn't have showed up. It just would have been like, nah, it's a no for me. Like that whole situation, No. I don't want to talk yeah. to you. I don't want to talk to the bride. I don't know. I would have well, been at the, the police the station. Wedding is when she, well, the day of the wedding is the day she went to the hospital. No. I would have went, like, immediately after. Mm-mm. So, in any event, I mean, I hope that he is prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Because, like, I just can't imagine myself being with somebody who right. would, first of all, sexually assault anybody but definitely sexually assault a friend of mine who is unconscious and can't consent. Like, what kind of monster does that? And then also, I'm just thinking, if he could do that to her, what is he going to do to the wife? That part. 
Because in domestic violence cases or, you know, when women end up dead or missing, most of the time it's their partners. So if this person is already showing you that he would do that to one of your friends, sis, you ain't above getting raped your safe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, so, mm -mm, nah, it's a hard. I expect the backup singer in the restaurant and the what's love got to do with it. Yeah, I, he's Magnus Bell Calloway. Yeah, and, and she she, was she, like, oh, you only she left. Yeah, she sure she did. left. Yeah. So yeah, another crazy people news. I just want to bring up this. I know, you know, some people have been talking about it. But did you guys see the story out of Penn State? Another Pennsylvania story, actually. Oh, we we two for three. Wait a minute today. Wait a minute. What y'all do? What is going on in Pennsylvania? I don't baby? know. Anyway, okay. Yeah, they, they acting like the Bronx. But anyway, I know we got a Bronx story coming up, so they're not going to fail us. But anyway. Oh. <laughs> So, you guys saw this about the Penn State football player. Yeah. Who received a letter from an alumnus criticizing. His name is Jonathan Sutherland, who's a football player for Penn State. Looks like he's actually from Canada originally, which I thought was pretty interesting. But he received this letter criticizing the the guy's hair because he has locks. I thought that was absolutely crazy. This guy, evidently, um, his name is Dave. Peterson okay so he actually this is not his first time writing letters and complaining about stuff first of all sir you have nothing else to do the bitch is like in the 70s I think he has nothing else to do he about to go on out of here you know King Jesus or the devil one of them is about to take him out anyway and so you have nothing (laughs) else to do but to write a letter the guy evidently has great stats as far as a football player and you're writing about his hair and how you missed the days of a clean cut. Nothing else to do. So it was a really cute story. This little boy wrote a letter to the football player, to Jonathan, you know, kind of praising him and saying, don't listen to the mean people. And it was a little white boy. I thought it was a really sweet little thing that he did. And his dad posted it on social media and our news here picked it up. He wrote a a letter, you know, kind of combating that, saying that he admires him. And I think even the coach for Penn State made a comment about, you know, wishing that his daughter would marry someone with his character. He didn't say color in hell, but he said character, which is fine. You know, so at least they are speaking out on behalf of him. But the funniest thing is one of the radio stations call it Penetration State University. And you, he said he doesn't, oh, he doesn't understand why this old man, oh. Dave Peterson, is even commenting on how good a young guy is looking. Talking about, saying, um, you know, Sandusky and all the stuff that happened with Penn State some years ago. So I just thought that was hilarious. It was like, what in the Penetration State University is going on here oh. where an old man man is actually looking yeah looking at a young guy yeah some kind of way about that because i got my my master's from penn state and i'm just like you're embarrassing me Mm -hmm. i'm ashamed wow i mean but that's i feel like that's the reason why they signed the crown act you know to protect people for wearing their natural hair because it is discrimination against what just naturally grows out of our head you know what i'm saying it's like how can you tell me the way that my hair grows out of my head is a problem Mm. i don't understand that the way i want my hair to grow out and he gonna still have a white girl possibly so don't get too upset sir anyway (laughs) but that's why he mad 
That's- you want him to stay away from his daughter and his granddaughters. Yeah, maybe that is it. So since we had two PA stories, what's happening in the Bronx, L? So this crazy, well, I shouldn't call him crazy. He's not crazy. He ain't crazy. He's not crazy. Well, not like literally crazy, but so in, in any event, he works for the subway. He was arrested for collecting his paycheck when apparently he had been fired years ago. So he basically went on leave, on sick leave in 2015 for high blood pressure and asthma. No, 2013 looks like. And then he. Oh, the article yeah. I'm looking at says 2015. Okay. Well, I read 2015. Well, a while ago, he's been <laughs> on sick leave. No, so he's been getting the checks for the past four years. So it started in 2015 yes. when he started getting the checks back, but he went out in 2013. But then all of a sudden, these checks started. But I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. So he's saying that he went on sick leave in 2015, but in the same article, apparently the subway system told the New York Post that they let him, that he was dismissed in 2013. Yes, that's the 2013. So, okay. yes, that's what it is. So in any event, he ended up back on payroll in 2015 and has collected a total of $250,000. So he was arrested for theft. For trespassing because he was coming to pick up his check. But look, but yes, you but, have my thoughts. I'm sorry. I, why is he getting arrested? For, thank you. For trespassing? It's not his fault. It's right. not his fault. Wasn't, he, wasn't he coming to work though? I saw one article saying he was coming. Yeah, he was just coming to pick that check up. But I saw Uh, something where he was still going to work, but it sounds like he really wasn't. It sounds like he was just still thinking he was on disability and collecting. Now, how you thought you was collecting 100% of your check, I don't know. Because normally in disability is a percentage. But hey, that's neither here nor there. That's not on you. And then to get me for trespassing. Now, listen. If he he's saying he got these letters consistently just from the MTA about training and all these things. If he can exactly. really produce these letters, yes, sir, so that's that y'all yeah. messed up. That's about, right, and that's what I was about to say too. Like they were still contacting him about trainings he needs to go to. He said he got one last month. See, okay then. So if he can, so, if he can bring that to the to the light, I right, feel like they, that's that that's on them, and you should yep. not make him pay that back. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't pay it back. Matter of fact, you gonna pay me even more for wasting my time. Yeah, for the embarrassment. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do defamation embar- of character. Yep, embarrassing me, defamation of character. So yeah, absolutely. So Shug, didn't you read about this guy who apparently is one of the most far one of the worst serial killers in U.S. history? Oh my god! Yeah, I was so disappointed. He's black. Is he black? He's black. <laughs> that is not funny, Jesus. I don't know why. But I'm look, so hard. it's almost like the Ooh. Bronx Zoo story, right? Like you didn't think no black person would do that, but it's like yeah. a black person. It's, it's just like what is going on in the wait what century in the 21st century but he did these crimes long time ago like in the 20th century yeah Yeah. he was doing this shit in the 20th century so what we talking about the thing his victims were black women so i have prostitutes and drug yeah yeah well because people that no one will miss mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. but i'm still just kind of like Come on, black men. Like, we, I need y'all to do better. Like, I need y'all to protect us and look out for us. Like, we already struggling against everything that we got going on. And y'all out here killing us and beating on us. And not all black men, just say something. Not all, but still, please, 
please do better about loving us and protecting us and, and we'll, cherishing and we'll us. do the same to you. Yes, we right. will. Well, I think one person who really does take care of black women and really tries to show us in a positive light is Tyler Perry. Yes, he does. Tyler Perry. Oh, so I, I love this story. I actually, yes. you know, kicking off the Libra season, I got a chance to go to The View uh, on, whoop, whoop, yeah, this past fancy. week. And, you know, I it was fun. Like, we went the night before, got fucked up. As usual, of course you did. So wait, one of our one of our people, one of our mutual friends, I call her up and I'm like, "Can you remember when I had that nervous breakdown when I turned 29?" So she was like, "You're going a little hard for Sunday night, aren't you?" <laughs> so, wow. But anyway, oh, <laughs> it was a fun wow. night in New York. We, you know, we got a hotel room, stayed overnight, so we didn't have to like, you know, rush from Philly in the morning. You know, we had a chance to go to the studio, and they were actually taping this episode where Whoopi had just come back from the grand opening of a 330-acre compound. And so she had a chance wow. to talk about it. It was Joy Behar's birthday, too. Shout out to the Libras, Libra season. And so, uh, you know, she oh, had a chance to talk about it. And it was just, if you could just, you felt her energy about it. Like, she was so excited and so like, y'all, this is major. And they gave her that opportunity on that platform. But even when we went to commercial break, she was still talking about it. And was like, you know, this was amazing. And if you could have just been in the room and just to see all of the people, what I thought was interesting, I kind of wanted to understand more. They was like Colin Kaepernick and Jay-Z and Beyonce was there. I was like, oh my God, did they talk to each other? I kind of wanted to know. But, probably, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Did she feel the tea? No, she, she didn't say not. anything. She just, you know, they kind of just mentioned it, but you know, she, she highlighted in the commercial break, you know, guys. And I mean, she's talking to the audience, right? She's like, he was homeless right. 15 years ago. Like 15 years ago, he was yes. homeless and he's done yes. this. You know, they talked about it on the actual episode. And you guys, I know everybody has seen these clips going all around about how large his studio is. It's uh, larger than Disney, yes. Paramount, Warner, and Sony put together. Combined. Combined. Yep. Like, That's let's crazy. just That's soak crazy. on that, right? We already know it's on the, uh, you know, grounds of a former Confederate training ground. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was just amazing. And one of the things that Sonny on the show mentioned, she said, T.D. Jake said he had a door and we're talking about Tyler Perry, had a door opened up for him and he turned around and built a platform. And I just thought that was so, so powerful as far as, uh-huh. you know, he, you know, has caught a lot of slack for the type of movies that he's done. And I've heard both sides. Right. Like I, I get both sides of, you know, people's contention with that. But. If we we have to recognize a platform that he still has built off of that dressing up as a woman and, you know, that imagery. But I, I definitely want to hear, you know, you guys thought about, you know, what you thought about the opening of this and, and, and some of your thoughts about the whole Tyler Perry situation. It's phenomenal. It's, and you like, y'all don't even to, watch Tyler Perry movies, so I just yeah, I was about okay, to say I'm not I'm not the biggest Tyler Perry fan. Like out of all of his movies, I'd have to say my favorite is Why Did I Get Married. Yeah, so I'm not a real big fan of his work, but I can't deny like what he has done because Hollywood has denied him and ignored him for so long. You and did too. He made his own lane. He made his he own did. way. So it's he like did. okay, you won't accept me. 
you know, I'm going to do it on my own. And he opened the door for so many other people. So it's like, you can't deny that. So mm-hmm. kudos to him for that. Very true. And you know what? I'm silly because I clearly did forget that he did. Why did I get married? And why, did mm-hmm. I got, why did I get married too? But I've always said that my favorite Tyler Perry movies are the ones that don't have Medea in them. Yes. Agreed. Like, I love Daddy's Little Girls. Like you said, Shug, why did I get married? So I I am proud of him, even though earlier on the show I have jabbed KB for going to see his movies. <laughs> but I'm super proud of him. Like, honestly, this is a win, I think, for everybody. And also, he yep. has, like, two new shows coming out on BET, right? Called, like, one uh, called The Oval. Yes. Oh, is that yes. why he had the studio yeah. built for the White House? Okay, got it. Yes. Yeah, it's called The Oval. It's supposed to premiere, I think, later this month on BET. So we're going to bring in our guests to continue this conversation of Black people and our imagery in the media. So let's bring on our guests. So I'm so happy to have with us again today Dr. Kimberly Brown-Pelham. We've had her on before when we discussed colorism, but now she's here again. I can't, and she's twerking in the, and she's twerking for us. I missed it. I almost missed it. No, I, I almost missed it. it. I was like, what is she doing? I was like, is she getting up to go get something? I was no, like, why well, should she laughing? Twerking. I see booty bounce. Oh, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Somebody is still on a high from homecoming. Hey, Dr. Pello. <laughs> homecoming. Hey, Dr. P. Hey! How are you doing? Of course. We are excited that you are here to talk to us about the representation of African Americans in the media. Where should we begin? Like, where do we start? Like, where... When the beginning, menstrual yes. shows. Tell us, Doctor. No, before is that. menstrual shows a start though? I guess I no. Think, well, let's ask. No. <laughs> when when did we first start showing up in media, Doctor Pelham? So media is anything visual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. When you're talking about. American history, you know, we always say don't start with slavery, but if you're talking about Africans in America, then yeah, our first representations in printed visual media are directly tied to slavery. So um, your descriptions in newspapers are going Mm. to original places where the image of Africans in America start to be defined and developed. Yeah, that's true. Wow. I didn't didn't think about that. I mean, it is true, though. That is a form of media. I guess we were kind of thinking more like TV and, you know, movies, but that is the first vision. Yeah, I even think about that. In on racism and how racism functions, it's not just about, you know, stereotypes that we attach to entertainment necessarily but it really is attached to every aspect of society including um, what people consume intellectually speaking and I guess what I mean by that is again when you're talking about early America you have to look at early American educational institutions like Harvard like Yale like Princeton and you have to look at what is being taught and what kind of textbooks are being used So even at the university level, because slavery is such a intense reality for for the United States at that time, racism is being taught and images of Africans are being used to communicate 
messages of extreme bias. And so that's what's happening on an intellectual level and just, you know, sort of on a popular level, if you will, children's stories, books, games, toys um, in early America are going to depict African people as subhuman. And so I would argue those are your first examples of how stereotypes are going to develop over the course of time. Interesting. So how did all of this, and you can kind of skip ahead from, you know, from slavery to now, but how has these images of us, of Black people, affected how we're treated and how we're viewed, like even domestically and internationally? I don't want to skip ahead. (laughs) Okay. Well, don't skip ahead. Yeah, if you don't mind, I do think it's important to bring a little bit of context to how we get to where we are. So I just want to lift. Well, I want you to lead the conversation. So you lead us to where you want us to go. Okay, well, I don't have to lead it, but I do want to (laughs) introduce to you guys um, a few very important names since we're talking about images. And I think you'll appreciate these individuals as contributors to images concerning the African-American experience. And the first person I want to discuss is Thomas Dartmouth Rice. Um, And he was known professionally as Daddy Rice. He's a performer. New York during the late 1700s, early 1800s, and he really popularizes blackface mm-hmm. and minstrelsy. Um, wow. Oh, yeah, I heard of him. I didn't know it went back that far. Well, he's not a black man. This is a white work. And um, one of his more famous performances is Jumpin' Jim Crow. And so it is that performance that gives way to the nickname for the laws that restrict African-Americans known as Jim Crow laws. So I really think it's important that if we discuss African-American images, we discuss the popularity of performers like Thomas Rice, who really re-inscribe over and over again African-American stupidity, African-American laziness. And I think it's important that we really look at to what extent the popularity of these shows really help people to embrace what they consider to be true. If you repeat something enough, people embrace it as fact. And that's what happened on Broadway. That's what happened with these shows. Furthermore, uh, what else do you have happening kind of repetitively especially as it relates to minstrelsy, is um, the radio show. Before we can even Mm -hmm. get in film, you have to discuss Amos and Andy on the radio. Um, Most people are familiar with the Great Migration that spans both the 19th and 20th century when millions of African-Americans are exiting the South in order to pursue, quote unquote, a better life in the North. There's an assumption that because slavery was less intense in the North, then racism did not 
exist. And that is totally untrue. In fact, when you had such a large influx of African-Americans coming into northern regions, northern whites simply rejected the black presence in those areas. And that's where you started to get these restrictive housing laws that kept black people out of certain neighborhoods. Um, You absolutely had sundown towns in the north and lynchings in the north. And so Amos and Andy is this radio show that really encapsulates how northern whites looked at these sort of uh, what they felt like were country uneducated African savages coming from the south and so the show Amos and Andy is actually two again two white men who are portraying these subhuman kind of stupid clownish Black men. So Thomas Dartmouth Rice, Amos and Andy. Um, of course, you have to discuss Birth of a Nation, mm-hmm. um, which is another film whereby um, there are white men portraying black people. And I think that's really, <laughs> you know, something we should sit with for a minute as it relates to how intense racism is. Uh, intense to the point that you draw out these caricatures of black people. And even more intense to the point that you don't even allow black people in those roles. So there is white control on every level. Quick, quick question for you. Now, is that Birth of the Nation? Is that the one that was remade? That's something different when they talk about the rebellion. Completely different. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Differentiate the two. So Birth of a Nation, the original film came out in 1915 and that is an adaptation of a book called The Klansman. Oh, yeah. um, when Birth of a Nation came out it was considered such a um, cinematic advancement as it relates to the pictures, technology, and sound that had not been seen before on film. It really was a blockbuster and millions of people saw it. Um, it was so very popular that President Woodrow Wilson actually hosted a screening at the White House. And so, again, that lets you know how common, normal, acceptable racism was. This movie really portrayed black men as these over-sexualized beasts who were after the chastity of white women. And you had a president of the United States hosting a special screening at the White House. Um, So I just wanted to kind of point to the ways in which white men, even down to the actual portrayal, felt it necessary to control the roles of black men down to acting it out themselves. And so um, that doesn't mean that African-Americans simply stood by deaf, dumb and blind. As always, um, we have been agents in speaking up for ourselves and um, narrating our own stories. And one person whose name I think is absolutely left out of this conversation that needs to be recentered into the conversation is a filmmaker, early black filmmaker by the name of Oscar Michaud. Um, He um, produced a movie by the name of Within Our Gates, um, which was his answer to Birth of a Nation. And so he 
in his movie, African Americans are well-to-do, thoughtful individuals. And the movie actually shows the ways in which Anglo persons are are savages. He he highlights the realities of lynching and violence perpetuated by white people. So Oscar Michaud is somebody that's extremely important as it relates to having an answer to uh, many of the negative images that white America felt necessary to invent about black people. Mm. So who is, because I guess Oscar Michaud was early 1900s, correct? When he made his movie or was it a little later? Yeah, early 1900s. So was the next, I guess, most famous black movie maker like Melvin Van Peebles during black exploitation, or were we sort of mixed up or did we have some more filmmakers in between that 50 year time span? You know, black people were doing a little bit of everything. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Walter White. He is head of the NAACP during NAACP's golden years. And much like black people are now, black people then felt like it was necessary to address every facet of life where racism had influenced how black people existed in the United States. And so Walter White actually formed a partnership with Lena Horne. His initial goal uh, was to negotiate with Hollywood movie makers and sort of serve, uh, sort of allow the NAACP to operate as a sensory board. Um, what words can and cannot go into a script? Um, how mm-hmm. afterwards will be portrayed? Um, and to a certain extent, he was able to influence the outcome of Gone with the Wind. Um, It, too, is an incredibly racist film, but um, Walter White sought to make his own imprint in Hollywood and use the NAACP as his platform to inject a more positive view of African-Americans. Later on, after he's uh, shopped several scripts and unsuccessfully you know, try to lobby some of these Hollywood filmmakers. What he is able to do is form a partnership with Lena Horne. And he and Lena Horne are able to establish a contract at MGM that is going to change the trajectory of how Black women are presented on film. In her Mm. contract, it absolutely stipulates that at no point will she be made to act as a maid or any sort of temptress. And um, as crazy as that sounds, that was quite revolutionary for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, as you can see by Lena Horne's resume, there really is no point throughout her career where she is pigeonholed into either one of those roles. Very true. So can we talk about the black exploitation era a little bit? Mm. Um, I feel like, like Melvin Van Peebles, of course, was 
one of the well-known filmmakers during that time. Was there, and I feel like most black exploitation films were not made necessarily by black people. Like it was made by white Hollywood. Is that the case? Yeah, a lot of them were. Um, and you're absolutely right. A whole lot has not changed. You know, if you wait for the credits to roll on any VH1 reality show, any Bravo reality show, no matter how many of us are in front of the camera, um, at the end of the day, you scroll them names and there's certainly not African-Americans that produce these, um, I don't even know what you, you call them, these these vignettes of African-Americans. <laughs> <That's life>. <laughs> yeah. Right. Image making is a business in this country. I mean, even if you look at pageants, you know, Donald Trump is a pageant owner, right? Mm-hmm. So here as a white male helping to not only monetize but inscribe what beauty is not just in the United States but around the world because he owns or is or was part owner I don't know if he still is of the Miss Universe pageant that's how Miss America started white businessmen in Atlantic City looking to make some money and so image making has been extremely important for the maintenance of racism and for the maintenance of the United States economic base. Like you got to convince people that black men are criminals mm-hmm. and thugs. That's necessary for their enslavement. That's necessary for the criminal justice system to function. You got to make people believe a certain thing in order for the system to function. And so image making is central to that for sure. Mm-hmm. So we, when I think about now, like modern day, like black filmmakers, producers, writers, like Spike Lee to Tyler Perry to Will Packer to Ava DuVernay to Lee Daniels to Malcolm Lee, like what can we do, I guess, to support them and people like them when it comes to filmmaking because a lot of people like you said a lot of people don't stay to watch the credits they just stay to see the entertainment piece and once the show is over like they're out so what can we do to make sure that we're paying attention to the credits or even seeking out filmmakers so that we can support them and support the imagery that is being portrayed on screen whether it's large or small um, I think with technology, the sky's the limit. I know a few of us were talking about fundraising efforts in our own separate groups today. And I think technology has changed the game on, you know, what's possible. Um, I think it's just a matter of deciding who we want to lift and what voices we want to center. There's a young man attached to Tuskegee University's archives department, and um, he makes historical documentaries, um, particularly related to black small towns. And I haven't yet, but it is my full intention to get that young man a donation. And that's just something I ran across on Instagram, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I think Ava DuVernay has changed the game as it relates to Netflix. Mm-hmm. She documentary. Then she had the Central Park Five. Then she had, uh, what else has she done on Netflix? Selma, oh, 13th, but you said 13th, yeah, 13th. right? A lot. And I think a lot of it, particularly, again, with technology and streaming, I think, you know, white, white folks have always been 
dollar focused, money focused. And so as long as those coins keep rolling in, I think, you know, they are very much so open to showing whatever kind of content uh, produces profit. So I think if, if we keep supporting, there'll always be an avenue. In fact, there was an article I had run across on the show Power. Y'all watch Power, yes. 50 Cent? Yes. I do. Yes, yes I, ma'am. We all mm-hmm. of us do. We do. We all do. I'm behind yeah, on episodes. We talk about it. <laughs> Sugar and I talk, Sugar and I catch, talk about it right. all, every Sunday, basically. Oh, catch up, KB. Oh, y'all left, me, y'all left me out of this conversation? Because you behind. You didn't know that was behind until I just said it. Doesn't matter. Okay, fine. Go. <laughs> Before streaming really taken off in the way that it has in the last, you know, three, four years, Stars was having trouble keeping subscriptions. You know, you yes. used to have to subscribe to that stuff. And so persons in the boardroom, the folk with the seat at the table um, who don't necessarily look like us decided that they needed to change the programming to fit a demographic of people that would commit to watching TV. And anybody who studies Nielsen and Mm -hmm. Nielsen's ratings, there's so much documentation on how they study African-American entertainment patterns. And I won't say fortunately or fortunately, I'll let your audience decide. Um, But we consume the most entertainment out of any other group in this country. And so stars took that information, um, developed a partnership with 50 cent. And now you have stars back on the map as a very profitable non, would you consider, is it cable or non cable? Um, It's cable. cable. It's cable. It's definitely cable. So also Courtney campus, also the creator of power. So really, Courtney Kemp and 50 Cent basically gave stars like their second life because now stars has all these extra shows, all these new programs that they never had before. Absolutely. And the same thing with VH1. Y'all remember when we were growing up, VH1 was a boring pop-up the channel. Old, <laughs> yeah. old, pop-up old video. Yeah, <laughs> the flavor of love. You know, now VH1... Mm-hmm. Totally revamped its brand and probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a multi-billion dollar channel at this point. Of same course, thing, easily. It's owned by Viacom. Same mm-hmm. thing um, Bravo. Remember their yeah. original mm-hmm. sort of lens was gay men decorating. Um, what was the name of that show? Queer um, Eye for the Straight Guy. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. But again, it was sort of a struggling network until Mm -hmm. Real Housewives of Atlanta. And now, you know, it's just, it's an unstoppable train. So I want to ask this question. And I think, you know, we were talking about you were going through the decades. And I I love when you talk and can like spit this shit, right? But I also want to say... I kind of want to focus on the 80s for just a second because I feel like something happened in the 80s, right? Spike Lee. Um, not just Spike Lee. Let's let's give Bill Cosby the props where the props are due. Yes. Let's, let's yes. do it. You know what I mean? So yes. I just had a conversation with another fellow historian and that's why I'm bringing it up and you got excited and I know you would. You know, you guys, you know, you guys are on the same pathway. So, you know, he brought up this to me as, you know, we have to think about the power of that imagery, right? Like how you were, you've been talking this entire time about for him seeing even a different world 
that made him want to go to college. He's from Miami. He's from the bottom. You know what I mean? Where, you know, sometimes things don't go great <laughs> in that city, right? And, you know, what if you put this power in this, you know, what we have today, like you were talking about, these shows that, what you call them, vignettes. Like these vignettes that are currently on TV portray us one way. But, man, let's talk about what, you know, Bill Cosby did with regards to the Cosby show and showing powerful image. Like we knew that that was possible, but that doesn't mean everybody knew that that was possible. When we talked about this on the show about even a different world, how we wanted to go to Hillman. Like I knew about yeah. FAMU, but I kind of oh, wanted to go to Hillman. I was hoping FAMU was part. like Hillman. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, thinking about those pieces and just everything that came after, I would even say girlfriends. I think girlfriends was a yes. nice depiction of women. You know, Queen Latifah show is escaping me. Living single. Living single. Living single another great. So it's like the 80s to the 90s really had some great imagery, I feel, when it came to black people and how many people that really affected, like I wish there was a study that was done and probably is how many people went to college just off of the Cosby show and off of a different world. Like, I think we would be, you know what I'm saying? So what are your thoughts, Dr. P um, about that? And I know um, Shook wants to jump in as well after. You said well, Yeah. There's nothing about the Cosby show that's short of revolutionary. Yeah. Um, you feel mm-hmm. me Bill Cosby, but the Cosby show yes. um, was absolutely transformative for African people in this country. I'm going to let you jump in. Should only thing I want to say is Felicia Rashad, Felicia Rashad, mm-hmm. Felicia Rashad. Yes. Woman's image and Bill Cosby fought for her role. I don't know if y'all remember the very first episode. She's speaking Spanish. And Bill Cosby, yeah. She's bilingual. She speaks Spanish fluently. Fluently. Oh. Executives to make sure that um, not only was she bilingual, but she was a lawyer and a mother. That's that was all Cosby. And the last sort of similar story I'll share is um Florida Evans, okay? One of my favorites. Florida Evans was going to walk off of that show because they wanted her to be a single woman. And she said, I'm not going to play into that stereotype for you. And that's how James became her husband. So, yeah, shout out to all the the dark-skinned Black women who were rocking it as um, lead actresses during that era. Mm-hmm. Sugar, any thoughts? Oh, the only thing I was going to say was that, you know, what is the statistic that you're looking for for a different world? It increased uh-huh. HBCU enrollment by 300% yes. during the time that it was yes. on the air. Yeah. 300%. Yes. So, how much yes. did Beyonce increase HBCU attendance? But. <laughs> No, I really kind of want to know because I think it was like, you know, really, I I feel like when she did that homage to HBCUs, how did that affect and people now looking back at HBCUs? We knew about them again. But how much did that, you know, jog the outside to be like, oh, well, wait a minute. What is this? Like, this seems like, wow, this seems cool. I mean, it's just music, but I think any image could be powerful and that that gets me to my next point dr p where i would love to kind of know your thoughts on it do y'all think she made an impact i think that she got people 
let me say this. I saw from social media people talking more about their own HBCUs. Now, whether it increased outside people to come into an HBCU or to look at an HBCU, I do feel that more people kind of just reminisce on the times of being in an HBCU. That's what I think, too. I don't think it necessarily increased. Well, we don't know that. We don't have the stats. I mean, we don't. We don't. But I'm just talking about my opinion. I don't think it increased enrollment. I think it just made us all more nostalgic. Yeah, it brought awareness to HBCUs, to an audience that may not have been introduced to it. Well, before. you, yeah. what was that? Um, what's the colonizer name that tried to do a similar show afterwards? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. I can't stand you. I cannot stand you. <laughs> I cannot stand you. Where's the lie? <laughs> Thank you, Donna P. What a lie! What a lie! Oh, okay. There we go. We can get. We can go on how they done. They done mocked us uh, and took our stuff a, a, a hundred times over. But anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. So I get it. Can I? Can I also say this too about a different world? And I know. First of all, I know a lot about pop culture, regardless, because that's my thing. But I think a different world was revolutionary for a lot of reasons. One, they were one of the first sitcoms to talk about date rape. They were also one of the first sitcoms to have a condom on screen. Um, and they were also one of the first sitcoms to talk to have a character that had AIDS. People weren't talking about that in the 80s and 90s. Like, it was blasphemous almost, which is completely different now from what you see on network television because they show an asses saying GD and shit and all that type of stuff. But the things that Debbie Allen, because... Bill Cosby brought her on during the second season. Sora or Debbie Allen? Sora or Debbie Debbie Allen? Debbie Allen is an AKA. Debbie Allen is a Delta. No, she's not. Let's put some money on it. Her and Felicia. No, Felicia's an AKA. AKA. And Debbie, go to the website. They're sisters. They're from Texas. My sister's an AKA. You acting like that shit is not possible. No. Google it. Correct. Go Google it. You are not correct. Keep moving. Let's put some money on. It. $50. Hey, $50. $50. $50. Let's go. Let's go. $50. Should I want my money when this is over? All right. Huh? Yes, they both pledged Alpha Chapter at Alpha Chapter. They're Give both Alpha Chapter. Give me my money. No, I want to see it. I want to see it. Okay. I'm pulling pull it up. up. Go ahead. Keep talking. You're wrong. So, in any event, while y'all looking this up, I can't. In any event, when I've been Bill Cosby this lady brought Debbie Allen on during the second season of A Different World, she revolutionized that television show. Yes, she it, did. It was amazing. Yes. So the last question I have, Dr. Pelham, is what can we do going forward? I know you said technology is a big factor in how we can support Black filmmakers now in our imagery. But is there anything else that we can do? Uh-huh. She sees it. I see her face. No. So, right. I want my money. Uh, no, exactly. I only bet it should, boo. We, well, me and Shug did $50. Shug, Shug, I want my cut. So, in any event, I apologize. I can tell you. So, first of all, you know what? I'm not talking to you right now. So, in any event, Dr. Pella, what else can we do aside from supporting filmmakers financially like is there anything else that can be done that we can do to sort of control the narrative and our imagery and how people see us and honestly how we see ourselves i think it's a couple of things we we have to do everything first of all Mm -hmm. i don't think we can um exist in this place and not 
sort of work with a few different hats on. I think we have to wear a couple of hats. Um, but one thing I would just suggest is to do away with the idea that all black people going to be on the same page at all times. Mm, um, true story. Yeah, black people are human beings just like anybody else, and we see things through different lenses. So I would I would highly encourage those of us who are like-minded to work together and find projects and programs that we deem valuable and really put our resources together to make sure um, that they continue to exist. Florida A&M has one of the best broadcast journalism programs in the nation. And so there's no reason why so many of us who are attached to the institution can't make sure that that is something that continues to thrive. I don't think we should necessarily look for all Black people to care, but I do think there are those of us with attachment to certain places and certain institutions, certain schools, certain programs, where we can get together and we can decide that these things flourish. So that that would probably be my, you know, one suggestion. And then I would just also suggest to all of us to remember, you know, we've we've covered quite a bit of ground in such a short conversation, talking mm-hmm. about things like good times and a different world. I would encourage us to go down memory lane and remind ourselves that entertainment does not have to be foolish. Because a lot of times we say that we want better depictions of ourselves, but we continuously support, pour into and perpetuate images that we claim to know are detrimental to our existence. Mm. So I, I would just encourage us to remember who we are and to understand that from an African perspective, art always serves a purpose and we can't get away with the excuse that it's just entertainment anymore. Oh, wow. That is such a great segue into one of my questions. And, and, you know, we can see if this ends us, but it kind of is the reason why we start, we decided to do this episode, right? Um, We had Diane Carroll, who just recently passed away, you know, really celebrated actress, but then also Tyler Perry with the opening of his, you know, 330 acre studio. I want to keep saying that. And I had this small debate with another fellow historian who talked about that images and saying, you know, certain things are entertainment. And you talked about in your first point about not all black people are, of course, going to think the same. Nobody should think we should think the same. Right. And there's this, this kind of talk of, you know, that group of people who, maybe not necessarily a Tyler Perry fan, right? And don't like how he got where he is today as far as dressing up as a, a woman. And I, I don't call it cooning, but, you know, making, you know, light and, and laughter and comedy. Whereas there are other people like me who I don't necessarily, I wasn't offended by his, the way in which he did films. I like the Christian aspect to them. I didn't look at him as dressing up as drag. I looked at him as dressing up as a character and performing. 
but getting messages. I felt like all the things that he has ever put out has always been a message behind it, which I appreciated. So, and I've made jokes on past episodes of being one of five people in the theater, but I was always going to the theater to see his movies because I saw what he was doing in the background. I saw how he's trying to employ people of color and putting people on and, you know, consistently doing that. And so I wanted to support that effort. And I'm like, look where he is now. He, if he, this man was homeless 15 years ago, look where he is today. But there are still some people out there that have issue and take issue at where he is today and how he got there. I want to know what your thoughts are. I know my two co-hosts aren't necessarily Tyler Perry fans when it comes to the movies, but they are very happy with where, you know, he's gotten with the the studio and so forth. So I definitely want to get your opinion as to do you think that there's some negative effects? And there's some people who are dealing directly with young children who have a lot of things going on in the house and have come and made comments about how he's depicting black people, which I just don't look at it like that. But you know, get your thoughts on it. I'm sorry, Dr. Pelham. Point of clarification. I didn't say I don't like Tyler Perry movies. I said I'm not a big fan of the Medea movies. Thank you. Whatever. Bloop. <laughs> um, again, you know, everything is not for everybody. Uh, and that's okay. In the history circle, is a lot of people who would describe Booker T. Washington as a sellout. Uh-huh. Um, but at the end of the day, it is because of his work sacrifice and blood, sweat, and tears that there is an institution that can st- that continues to stand 150 years later and create black veterinarians like nobody's business. Uh-huh. So, you know, you can take from that what you will. Um, whether or not his methods are something that sit well with you is something that you have to address within, you know, y- your own political ideologies. And the same thing goes with Tyler Perry. The method may not be something that you agree with, but I would urge all of us to, as you stated, you know, concentrate on the outcome, the employment of Black actresses. Before Taraji P. Henson had that role on Empire, all them Black actresses, Tyler Perry be employed, they be struggling. Cicely Even- Tyson. Think about it. We had not seen Cicely Tyson in how long? Forever. Even when they get the big awards, it is very difficult for them. Um, Taraji P has talked about this, that even after, I think she got an Oscar for something. Was it Hidden Colors? Benjamin Button. Okay. She got a huge award and she talked about how even after that, it was still very difficult to get work because in Hollywood, they recycle the same black actresses over and over again. Mm And so, you know, I I respect first. And and this is again, this is not I'm definitely not being fair. I'm I'm definitely giving you my biased opinion here. I am a champion, proponent, supporter, advocate of black institutions. That is where our power lies. It don't Mm -hmm. lie in It don't lie in people and individuals. It lies in businesses and institutions. And Tyler Perry Studios is an institution that employs people that flew Whitney Houston's body back to where it needed to go, where she needed to be buried. So, you know, I am in full support of anything that um, has some sort of economic 
uh, impact in our community. And I absolutely see that um, with Tyler Perry. And for those persons who say that the images that he puts forward are problematic, I would just ask those same people to pull out their iPod or whatever folks are listening to these days and look at your favorite rapper. Like, are those positive, you know, thoughts? Are those positive images? And so, like, we get real interesting when it comes to, like, political ideologies. It's almost like religion. Folks be pulling out whatever mm-hmm. works for them. So, you know, if Tyler Perry problematic, then all y'all favorite rappers and singers problematic. Beyonce <laughs> problematic. Every time you look at her, she got her legs open. So, miss me with that. Well, oh, true story. That's it. I love it. <laughs> That's I true, T. Did you drop the mic, Dr. P? I, yo. Don't come after me, Beehive. I'm just saying, you know, like, <laughs> hey, it's not a problematic. Y'all need, problem. clean, no, y'all need to clean that up, Fresh. No, okay. At all. Dr. P, I done talk shit about the Beehive, too. Don't worry about it. Exactly. But can I also say before we end this that when Dustin Hoffman dressed up as Tootsie and Robin Williams dressed up as Mrs. Doubtfire, ain't nobody had nothing to say. No, but I think one of those arguments, I think one of those arguments was that's what they've been doing. (laughs) That's what I was told. And, you know, we and I understand we are more sensitive, like you guys have talked about from the beginning of time, we've had these negative like images of us. So we're combating something totally different from when Mrs. Doubtfire, because I kind of brought up the same point. Mrs. Doubtfire, I mean, hell, it's the same kind of concept. That was mm-hmm. a character. You weren't dressing up as that's a character. So right. I, I mean, I guess we are combating something different. And then like Dr. P was saying, think about the things that you're watching on a daily basis and what kind of imagery that kind of produces in, in thoughts. So I think, like you said, we have a lot of work to do, each and every one of us. I mean, I want to put down the reality shows. I just, it's just such ignorant TV that it ent- entertains me. I'm so sorry. It's hard. Um, it's so hard. But I don't like to tell people. Y'all educated black women, it ain't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. It's a choice. You know what? Prefer to say shit is hard than actually like just do what it takes to live up to the things that we say are important to us. And that's me included. I'm not, you know, fussing at y'all necessarily. I'm just saying that we make excuses for a lot of stuff True. that we that, you know, we talk one way and we we operate in a, in a complete opposition to the things that we say we believe in. Mm-hmm. I think this whole, and I'm going off on a tangent, but I think the NFL is an easy example. You know, we say we down for this. How hard is it to turn mm-hmm. off? It's team? not hard. And I've been, I'm with you, Dr. P. I've been saying that shit since day one. And no, because I mean, again, we were talking about a story about Penn State. You know, this alumnus decided to write a letter about his hair. Like run in run. Like that's the way they look at you until you start demanding respect then they're going to keep doing this shit. So, you know, Colin Kaepernick is still without a job. Like, stop it. I don't give a fuck what y'all talking about. Like, this shit is ridiculous. Y'all can put this shit down. We have power. Like, stop stop thinking we don't. Y'all just talk about the buying power. And then my thing is, folks love talking about the ancestors this, and we proud to be black, and I'm rooting for everybody black. No, no, the fuck you not. Like you can't be, you you cannot possibly want to honor the ancestors if it is difficult for you to turn some TV off. That's true. 
Keep us honest, Dr. Cody. You know, God damn, I got, to, I got to delete my damn DVR. Keep us honest. So, Dr. Pelham, again, thank you for joining us today. Where can the people connect with you on social media? Where can where can they find you? There she goes twerking again. <laughs> Come on, girl. Come on, <laughs> So I'm at the History Consultants on Instagram, at the Museum of Black Beauty on Instagram. And that's pretty much it. And I encourage everyone, uh, if you guys want to hear Dr. Pelham once again, she was on a previous one of our previous episodes entitled Black of the Berry. I really yes. super, super encourage you to go back, take a listen. It's episode 10. Again, that's Black of the Berry. You'll hear her extensive bio and her degrees, and we're just so proud of her. And we, she's our resident fucking historian. I just want to put that out there. Yes, um, she is. Just tight working shit. So anytime we call her like, yo, I, we need some more background for this. Like, come, can you come and talk to us? So just shout out again. Check out Black of the Berry. And again, episode number 10. Don't forget to push the book. Okay. Oh, the book was oh, released today. No, I have the book. The Wait, book where's my book? Today. I, no, the I, book was released today. I'm so sorry. Dr. P, you didn't even say nothing. But listen. I was going to bring it up. I got my book. I sent I sent Boo a text message yesterday like, we got our book in the mail. That will be delivered tomorrow. Y'all want to know something juicy? Yes. yes. Oh, we get another exclusive? Tell us. We got another Tell exclusive. Us. I had to push the time back with you guys because, and don't get excited because it might not go through, but I'm I'm telling y'all because I think it's interesting. I'm supposed to be working on another project. Hey! Turned in, listen though, I turned in the first three chapters and it's about a major pioneer in the civil rights movement. But I got a long email right before I was supposed to go on with you guys. And they said, it's too harsh for kids. We want something more inspirational. Ease up on the race thing. Now it's about civil rights now. What? They told me, you know, words like killing and bombing. I need to get rid of. That's what happened, though. So that's my juice that I'm I'm letting your listeners in on. This is my work as a history consultant. I'm I'm trying to fight for the narratives that we're talking about. Wow. So so I'm going to tell you my principal gave me like a little packet from Teaching for Change last week and he gave me the sign that says I have the courage to teach hard history. So I'm going to tell you the same thing. Have the courage to teach hard history and let the people know what we got to know. Don't be oh, afraid and don't bite your tongue. Email and I told them either it is what it is or they need to look for another author. Good for oh. you. Come on, Dr. P. So we didn't want to soften the words, not take them out, but maybe soften them? Because we need, no, we need no. the knowledge. I'm sharing this so that listeners can have like an inside perspective on this stuff goes. And so it puts me in a hard position because I need to buy diapers. You know, Mm -hmm. I need the contract. It's not that I don't want to do it, but this is the kind of position that professionals like me are put in. And I guarantee you they can find another black historian that's willing to make those adjustments. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Yep. Um, yeah, this is where I am with it, and I'll keep you guys updated. So, well, we're going to pray for you, Dr. P. We're well, going to keep you in our prayers. Well, we always say you got to stand for something or fall for anything, right? 
Amen. All right. Yes. Okay. And speaking of standing up for something, our I Am Woman Hear Me Roar is none other than the, I don't even want to call her late because I still can't believe that she is not here, but is Miss Diane Carroll who passed away last week at the age of 84. She was the first black woman to be featured on her own sitcom in the TV show, Julia, where she played a widowed single mother who was a nurse. And she has had so many roles and done so many things since then. Um, Her first movie was Carmen Jones with, Harry Belafonte and Dorothy Dandridge. She also played the incomparable Dominique Devereaux on Dynasty. And of course, one of my favorite characters, Marion Gilbert's On a Different World. So to Miss Diane Carroll, we love you. We salute you. Thank you for what you have done for all little black girls and the black community when it comes to entertainment. Additionally, Dr. Brown Pelham, I know you shared that we can find you on social media, but you also have a couple of books out. So if you can remind us of the titles of your previous two books, as well as give us a title of your new book, so listeners can go out and purchase their copy. Man, queen like me. True story of girls who changed the world. Superhero like me. And then my latest project is Black Women in Science, y'all. I I know I sound like a single who's trying to promote an album, but for real, for real. <laughs> I was really inspired. Like, as a historian, I didn't know that I would love a project about scientists. But when I tell you, I was looking at my husband like, babe, I want to take an algebra class. Like, I need to get my mind together. I was super inspired. Shout out, you know, the three of you may know a few of the names who appear in the book. Yes. Um, um, Dr. Rosie, um, Dr. Renee is in there. That's a fun, like, I really do think any adult who reads it will really enjoy it. And another little juicy nugget for you guys, you might want to be on the lookout. Nobody else knows. I haven't announced this anywhere else on the lookout for another title called Black Beauties, um, African American Queens in the Segregated South. Yes! Oh, oh my dope. god! That's this gonna be a right dope up one. My alley. And look, I'm so excited! And one, and one of my aspirations, if you do a part two of the science book, maybe we can make it in next time. I'm just saying. I mean, maybe I need to go oh. in and figure out a cure for some shit. Oh. But I'm on my way. Oh. I just want to oh. say that. But oh. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm. I, we still got the book. My daughter loves <laughs> science, and I just, you know, maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> know what i can't get out the cut with you know <laughs> <laughs> that 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 right there gonna be dope like yes, the pageant like that's gonna be good i'm excited another I'm reason ready. to check out black of the berry guys you'll get yes. a, a sneak peek of what she's talking about 
And please follow her on Instagram. It's the History Consultants yeah. and the Museum of Black Beauty. So, okay. listeners, if you want to connect with us while you connect with Dr. Pelham, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Files. If you want to send us an email, you can send it to us at FemnoirFiles at gmail.com. Again, thank you, Dr. Brown Pelham, for joining us. This has been another episode of the Files. Bye. Woke up Sunday morning, got a little bad news today. Mm. They said my life ain't worth living, and time is slowly ticking away. Don't think that I'm going crazy, cause thoughts be running through my head. I know I gotta be. Gotta hold on, sometimes I'd rather give up and